times. Um, So we're going to start reading in Daniel uh, chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Uh, Hear the word of God. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after that which appeared to me at the first, the vision of the previous chapter. And I saw in a vision, and when I saw, I was in Susa, the capital, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision, and I was at the Ulai Canal. I raised my eyes, and I saw, and behold, a ram standing on the bank of the canal. It had two horns, and both horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I saw the ram charging westward and northward and southward. No beast could stand before him, and there was no one who could rescue from his power. He did as it pleased, uh, he did as he pleased and became great. As I was considering, behold, a male goat came from the west across the face of the whole earth without touching the ground, and the goat had a conspicuous horn between his eyes. He came to the ram with two horns, which I had seen standing on the bank of the canal, and he ran at him in his powerful wrath. I saw him come close to the ram, and he was enraged against him, and struck the ram and broke his two horns. And the ram had no power to stand before him, but he cast him to the ground and trampled on him. And there was no one who could rescue the ram from his power. Then the goat became exceedingly great, but when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns toward the the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. It grew great even to the host of heaven, and some of the hosts and some of the stars It threw down to the ground and trampled on them. It became great, even as great as the prince of the host. And the regular burnt offering was taken away from him, and the place of his sanctuary was overthrown. And a host will be given over to it together with a regular burnt offering because of transgression. And it will throw truth to the ground, and it will act and prosper. Then I heard a holy one speaking And another holy one said to the one who spoke, For how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes desolate, and the giving over the sanctuary and host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, For 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man, and I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Ulai, and it called, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. And when he had spoken to me, I fell in in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and made me stand up. He said, Behold, I will make known to you what will be at the latter end of the indignation, for it refers to the appointed time of the end. As for the ram that you saw with the two horns, these are the kings of Media and Persia. And the goat 
is the king of Greece. And the great horn between his eyes is the first king. As for the horn that was broken, in place of which four others arose, four kingdoms shall arise from his nation, but not with his power. And at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, shall arise. His power shall be great, but not by his own power. And he shall cause fearful destruction, and shall succeed in what he does, and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. By his cunnings he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind he shall become great. Without warning, he shall destroy many. He shall even rise up against the prince of princes, and he shall be broken, but by no human hand. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true, but seal up the vision, for it refers to many days from now. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. And I rose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. It's a very weird uh, vision, a very fascinating vision and other sense of it, and various things that we could get into and try to look at. Um, But... One of the most striking things to me in reading this vision is the very end of the vision, seeing Daniel's response. Because this vision makes Daniel sick. He's physically ill after reading this. Uh, As it says, he was overcome and he lay sick for days after experiencing this vision of what we've just read. Uh, And the reason I think this has that effect on Daniel is because This vision presents a a sickening truth, uh, a sickening truth about the world uh, that we live in. There's plenty of uh, plenty of examples of of real events, uh, real events that that hurt you even just to know about. Uh, uh, Sometimes that's the death of uh, cared ones of even a close friend. Uh, And even just knowing about it, it hurts you what's being experienced. after at FSU, even after decades and decades, um, even just the the name uh, Ted Bundy is sickening, uh, and, and uh, sickening to, to think about what he did—a serial killer and rapist who uh, confessed to uh, uh, at least thirty uh, murders uh, before he was executed, uh, and then included uh, several FSU girls. It's also sickening that in in places in the world, uh, genocide is a common experience. It's what some kids grew up under and what they've known about the world uh, that they live in. Uh, Or in certain places of the world, people still uh, get ill and and die of polluted water uh, or of malnourishment. Sometimes things that we don't like to think about. And when we do think about it and we realize what's there, it hurts. It's sickening that that's the reality of part of the world that we live in. Here, the sickening truth in this passage is that God allows his people to be trampled, to be destroyed. This little horn, this great king, is trampling on God's people, trampling on the saints, destroying Uh, them. God's sanctuary, God's place, and God's people are what God has tied his reputation to uh, in the world. 
And here are those who dishonor him in all kind of ways, and they're the ones who are winning and destroying even the things that speak of God. And God looks like nothing, and they look like everything. And as Daniel's given this in pictorial form uh, through this vision, uh, it hurts. Uh, it's sickening. <clears throat> And you see, even just look at uh, verse 13 and, and 14, uh, these uh, angels speaking to one another, how long are these horrible things happening? How long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes def- desolate, uh, desolate, and the giving over of the sanctuary, and the host to be trampled underfoot? Uh, it says, for 2,300 evenings and mornings, and then the sanctuary shall be restored uh, to its rightful state. Um, it's speaking to Daniel of coming uh, atrocities where God looks horrible and where his people are destroyed. And it makes Daniel physically ill uh, for some days, it says. Uh, and, and, and even though this is, this is true, and this is still true, uh, God's people are still called to, to continue to serve the surrounding culture and continue to serve the surrounding authorities. Uh, even the ones which will destroy them. Just as Daniel, uh, in his illness over this, still says, rose up and went about the king's business. Still appalled by what was coming, uh, but serving uh, one of these who's represented as a beast um, of, uh, of, of a kingdom opposed, uh, opposed to God. There, there are plenty of things that are difficult to understand in this text, and there's no way that I, I can't unravel them all myself or, or for you. Um, but I want it to be clear for you from the text that what you can see is that this vision presents a sickening truth uh, about reality then uh, and now and what's coming. Um, the first aspect of that that I want you to see is that the, that the wicked prosper. Uh, the wicked uh, prosper. You can see this uh, in verse 12 of the chapter. It's speaking about this, uh, speaking about this little horn. Um, and it says, It will throw truth to the ground, and it will act, and it will prosper. It, it's taking truth and replacing it with lies, throwing truth to the ground, and instead of it not being able to do that, or instead of some authority coming out and, 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 and executing judgment on it, it prospers. It succeeds and rejecting truth and destroying, uh, destroying others. Uh, the, the idea of it is that everything is wrong. Everything is backwards. Everything is not the way that it's supposed to be. Uh, Psalm 1 uh, in Scripture gives the image of the way things are, are supposed to go. Uh, the righteous planted uh, by a stream. Uh, the righteous following God, it says, prospers in everything that he does. And it contrasts that with the wicked opposed to God, who are like chaff that just are blown away by the wind, are of nothing and are destroyed. That's the way it's supposed to go. Uh, but now everything is, is backwards, not the way that it's supposed to, supposed to be. Uh, if I can get it across in a more lighthearted way, it's like when the gators win. It's not, it's not the way it's supposed to be, right? What it's supposed to be is when they go to a bowl game and they play some team like Louisville and they lose. <laughs> That's the way it's supposed to go. Uh, when they end up winning the national championship, it's like, no, that's not right. It's not right. Um, <clears throat> more seriously, uh, when, when those who are orchestrating genocide are the ones who actually win power and control uh, in their government, 
um, and are the ones reigning that government and gain, gain wealth and power and success. And if they start to gain a respect before other nations as well, uh, we're horrified and rightly should be. It's a sickening uh, thing for the wicked and that sense of wicked to be prospering. But in this vision, that's what you see with the ram, uh, with this male goat, uh, and with this little horn. Uh, right? We'll take each one of those. This ram comes up uh, with, uh, with, with two horns, right? And you, you're told in verse 20, we're not, we don't just have to like, what is this ram? Well, I think it must be. We're told in verse 20 uh, that it's the Medo-Persian Empire. Um, right, we've already seen uh, the Babylonian kingdom with Nebuchadnezzar uh, and Belshazzar is who the, the king is uh, currently when Daniel's having this uh, vision. But after that, uh, the, the Medo-Persian Empire with Cyrus uh, conquered Babylon, Babylon's kingdom and many other uh, kingdoms out there. Um, and so uh, we're told this ram with his two horns represent the, the Medo-Persian uh, Empire. Uh, Cyrus uh, the Great, uh, later uh, Xerxes, uh, many, many others. And, and as this ram, it's, it's a picture of its conquering. It's going westward, uh, northward, uh, southward, and no one could rescue from its power. That's what we're told. No one, no one can rescue. He did as he pleased and became great, uh, it says in verse 4. Um, that's, that's historically true, right? There's a vast conquered domain, uh, sacked Babylon, other, other kingdoms. And it was not because uh, the Persian kingdom was, had better moral values than the Babylonian kingdom. Like they just had better moral values. And so God's like, I'm going to bring this kingdom that's better in so it conquers the world and then life will be better for everyone. Um, it was because they were ruthless, uh, because they were powerful, because they knew how to destroy and how to rule and keep people under uh, their power. So he's there, he sees this ram, and then next he sees this, uh, this male goat. Uh, the male goat uh, uh, coming, uh, coming from the west across the face of the whole earth without even touching the ground. It's moving, uh, moving so fast. We're told in verse 21 that this is, uh, that this is uh, the empire of, of the Greek kingdom. Right? This, is, this is Greece. Uh, and that first horn is its first king, uh, we're told over there, uh, which historically is Alexander the Great. Uh, and Alexander the Great's empire, uh, like he conquered fast, <coughs> even, even greater domain uh, than the Persian uh, empire. But here he comes up, uh, this male uh, goat with a single uh, horn of, of Alexander, uh, and, and there's this clash with the ram. And Daniel's there. He can see the fierce uh, wrath of the, of the goat as it comes up and clashes into the ram, breaks its horn, overpowers uh, the ram, overpowers uh, the Persian uh, Empire. Uh, it's a picture of Alexander the Great sweeping across, destroying uh, all who stood against him. And again, you hear at the end of verse 7, no one could rescue. No one could rescue the ram from his power. And it wasn't because the Greek kingdom was such a a virtuous kingdom. Um, uh, It was was fierce. Uh, It was powerful. And the great horn uh, was was broken. Uh, Alexander historically died uh, very early, age 30. Um, And and four horns come up in his place uh, after Alexander. His kingdom was divided into four generals historically. Um, but here it's just speaking of the, of the first king in that Greek kingdom uh, uh, is, is taken away. Others come up, but not, not with the same uh, power. What you see is that one kingdom uh, 
conquers and has power. The wicked are prospering. Another kingdom, not less wicked, uh, comes and destroys that one and has a greater power and sets itself up as great. And then the focus in the chapter particularly turns on this little horn. In one of those, uh, from, from one of those four uh, horns comes up a, a little horn. We're told, uh, told in uh, verse 23 that this is a, uh, uh, at the latter end of that kingdom, so later in one of these uh, periods, uh, uh, a king of bold face that comes up. We're told uh, other things uh, about him. But he grows uh, exceedingly great, this little horn. It comes up uh, later. It grows exceedingly great, turns south and east, uh, toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land, uh, which while it's not said uh, elsewhere in the text, um, I understand that to be that that glorious land is referring to uh, uh, the, the land that God promised to his people, uh, the land of uh, Judah and Israel, the land of Jerusalem, uh, and, the, and the temple and the sanctuary. Uh, from the things that it goes goes on to say, um, and it grows uh, grows exceedingly great. Uh, it says, even as great as the Prince of Hosts. Uh, says in verse eleven, and and I'm not sure who the Prince of Hosts is. Um, Prince of Princes later, but still not uh, said precisely. And there's a few different interpretations, but but he grows greater and greater. He's exceedingly great. He's as great as the Prince of the Hosts, and he acts and he prospers. And whatever he does, uh, he he is prospering. Historically, uh, late in the Greek Empire, divided into different parts, there's the uh, 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 Seleucid dynasty and the Ptolemaic dynasty, uh, and, and there's this king, I didn't know before other things from Daniel uh, a while back, named uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, and he comes in around 170, 160 uh, BC um, from that Seleucid dynasty, and he attacks uh, Jerusalem. Um, and it seems, from a lot of the indication in this passage, that it's a that it's a referral to to that king. It's a referral to Antiochus Epiphanes and how he would persecute God's people. Uh, in a little bit, I'll read to you some of the things that he did uh, in Jerusalem. Hopefully, you hear some of the uh, correlations of it. But right now, what I'm wanting you to hear is that the wicked are prospering. Uh, the, the Persian kingdom is prospering until destroyed by another wicked uh, kingdom, the Greek uh, empire, and it prospers. And then even as it has struggle on its, its kings, this other uh, horn grows up with this bold face saying uh, arrogant things, uh, boastful and attacking uh, God's people. It's prospering in all that it does. <laughs> um, according to one of the commentators, Antiochus Epiphanes uh, later took on the the name Theos Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, Theos means God, and he would be called the illustrious God. That was the title that he chose uh, for himself. And apparently some others would call him Epimenes, uh, the madman. Um, But he, he seems to be prospering. And here's the thing, they're prospering under God's reign. If you've been with us at all, or if you've been in the book of Daniel, you, you've already seen that part of the theme of the book of Daniel is that God's the one who changes the times and the seasons. And chapter 2 is what it says, that he's the one who, uh, who removes kings and who sets up kings. And even last week we saw this vision of this, these different beasts representing the different kingdoms, but behind them is God speaking and telling them what they can do and what they can't do. Um, so no matter what world empire, God is still uh, ruling in his kingdom, overarching over all of it. So if these things happen, if the wicked prosper, they prosper under God's reign, uh, under God's rule. But there's a sense in which God is even allowing this uh, <coughs> to happen. 
Um, verse 24 about the little horn says uh, that his, uh, his power was, was great, but not by his power. So reference that Daniel's used similar things at other times to speak of God's the one who's giving uh, him this power. He doesn't have, he's not the source of his own power. It comes from elsewhere. Um, uh, These kingdoms only exist, only have power, only prosper because of God's greater power. Um, But they prosper even under God's reign. Well, they prosper at least uh, least for a time. Uh, The Babylonian uh, kingdom ended uh, when the Persian Empire conquered it. Uh, the Persian Empire con- ended uh, when the Greek Empire con- uh, <coughs> uh, <coughs> conquered it. Um, the horn, the single horn of the of the male goat, was broken off. That passage says the way Daniel used what's called a divine passive. It was broken off because uh, God <coughs> uh, ended uh, him. Uh, the little horn, this bold king, uh, we're told in verse 25, was broken. And it says, was broken by no human hand, uh, by, by God's hand. God is just, and God will destroy it, but he allows it for a time. Uh, the, wicked, the wicked prosper, the wicked still prosper now. <clears throat> And that's not just like maybe more trite things of that the that the arrogant jerk of a guy tends to get the prettier girl, or that the the vain stuck-up girl gets more attention from the guys around her, or, or things like that the person that cheats can end up getting a better grade uh, sometimes, or the backstabber is the one who gets the promotion. Or the way the world works sometimes, or even maybe bigger scale things that the dirty politician. Can still be the one that wins the election. Um, that the greedy miser is the one with the most money, and who can continue to make the most money. Uh, but especially the wicked still uh, prosper in terms of those who disregard God uh, and His values and His justice are still given success. They're still given prosperity. Look around the world, right? It's not the way God says it's supposed to be, and it's not ruled by people who are all acknowledging God and saying that he's, that he's great. Uh, he could take them all out of power. He allows them uh, there, and they're given success and prosperity even to do more evil. Are you getting how it's a sickening truth? I mean, this is, I mean it's not too hard to say that's just the way that the world is, uh, and it's ugly when we see it and we're reminded of it. Um, and this is the world that God rules over. Uh, this is the reason some people are like, I don't believe in God. How can there be a God if, if these kind of things happen in the world? Um, uh, Daniel's alive. It's a, sicken, it's a sickening truth. And, and maybe the thing that's more sickening just than the wicked prosper uh, are the consequences of it. Uh, that the weak are trampled. Uh, that's the second thing what you see uh, in the passage. The sickening truth that the, that the weak are trampled. That's the uh, expression, this trampling is the expression you see in verse 10 and verse 13 uh, for, the, for the victory and the destruction or oppression of the, um, uh, of the little horn over, over God's people especially. Uh, the wicked are trampled, right? I mean, how do you feel when you see the, uh, you know, the stereotypical picture of like the, the nerdy geek, uh, you know, wiping his nose, surrounded by the big jocks who are making fun of him, and then start pushing him back and forth until one of them just throws him to the ground, you know, bell rings for school, and then they all like walk over him and push their foot into his face and just walk on in, right? Um, it's, it's ugly. Um, 
Or uh, maybe that's just something like a professor who's mocking a student for not already knowing the things that the class is going to be about. And all of a sudden you feel belittled and you're like, that's, that's just nasty. What's going on there? Um, <clears throat> misused authority in all kinds of different situations. You know, someone sent me a, a video of was it a police who had trapped an a unarmed man, had him on the ground, uh, tasered him on the ground, and continued to kick him on the ground. He's unarmed. Um, those are just the things that are called on video. It's not just the police that are doing that. There's plenty of plenty of other <coughs> examples. And, um, or you know, I think of things that are sickening. Uh, the recent school shooting in Connecticut. Twenty school kids. One man walking in <coughs> with a gun and they're shot shot dead. It's wrong. It's sickening. It's not the way that things are supposed to be. It's ugly. Seeing the weak are trampled. But this is what the passage is describing as the effects, uh, uh, the effects going on here, the evil happening uh, in the world. It's difficult to try to connect all the different uh, details uh, about the actions of the little horn. Um, I'm not going to try to even go through those one by one. It uh, talks about him trampling over the, the host, uh, even some of the host and the stars uh, <clears throat> Uh, the stars of the sky, um, which, which seem to, from how the interpretation of the angels talked about, uh, it, it describes as a sanctuary and as God's people, uh, or as the saints, those who are, who are following uh, the Lord. Uh, that the persecution, the evil is particularly focused uh, against uh, God's people. Uh, but, but if it can help you see just kind of the atrocity that this passage is described, and what I'm instead going to do is, is read about the actions of Antiochus Epiphanes uh, in 170 to 160 um, against, against God pe- God's people. This is what one of the uh, commentators, how he describes it. I think you'll get some of the atrocity of it. Uh, he says, uh, power hungry, Antiochus sought to expand his dominion to include Palestine. He's moving southward and eastward. The uh, Ptolemaic uh, dynasty in Egypt is, <coughs> is below that, and they end up uh, with, with Jerusalem being sort of a battleground. Um, uh, this, this brought him in conflict with the Ptolemaic dynasty in Egypt. In Jerusalem, he replaced the high priest with a man of his own choosing. He then invaded Egypt, and while there, a rumor of his death circulated among the Jews. This was much to their joy. They're like, great, this guy's out, they thought. And so efforts were made to reinstate the genuine high priest. Antiochus, as he's coming back then, accused the people of rebellion, savagely attacked and sacked Jerusalem, and executed tens of thousands of its inhabitants. Listen to this. 40,000. 40,000 apparently dying within the space of three days. If it gives you the, the picture of it, that's FSU. right? Graduate, all the graduate, undergraduates, our students at FSU, around 40,000, three days, all gone. That's the kind of tragedy uh, happening then to God's people that this passage seems uh, to refer to. Uh, that happened historically uh, in Antiochus. Um, while others were, were taken captives, even some of those that escaped are still captives. Uh, he entered the Holy of Holies in the temple. What did he do there? He sacrificed a pig. On the altar of burnt offering. Uh, you want to really get at them? Yes, it seems to be later referred to as the abomination of desolation. Sacrificed a pig on the altar of burnt offerings, defiled the temple precincts, took the sacred furniture, furniture and established a traitor, Menelaus, as high priest. 
a little bit later, in 686 B.C., when Antiochus' efforts to take Egypt were foiled by the Romans, uh, he again vented his, revenge, uh, vented his revenge on the Jews. More than 20,000 of his soldiers massacred the Jews assembled for worship on, the, on a Sabbath day and committed further atrocities and vandalism. The temple was left without the daily sacrifices. Religious practices were non-existent. Uh, and get this, a statue of Zeus was placed in the temple. And human sacrifices were made on the altar. It's, it's sickening. Um, and it's sickening uh, that this would happen, that this would happen to, to God's people, that God's allowing this to happen, and that they're being trampled upon. They're being destroyed. Uh, and for Daniel, whose concern is for God and for God's people, here, here are those uh, in whom God has tied his reputation to his people and this place that he has given them. And what God's allowing uh, to happen there is, is all the worst things that they could imagine. It's sickening. It's painful. God's people, God's place, uh, God's reputation is being trampled. And God allows this to happen uh, for a time. God could have stopped it. He allows for the oppression of his people. Um, That's why the holy ones, these angels are saying to one another, how long? Uh, How long uh, is is this atrocity taking place? How long concerning uh, concerning these things? And the answer is uh, 2300 uh, morning and evening Evenings, which if you're just adding, if those are, if that's a way of speaking of the days, uh, it might be a, a reference to the morning and evening sacrifices. Um, if it's a reference to the days, that's more than six years uh, that, that's, that that's what they're uh, going under. In a sense, it's a limited time. Well, that's nice. Six years. It's also a long time um, of what they're enduring. Uh, the wicked... Uh, trample over the weak. God still allows for evil to exist, uh, for Christians to be persecuted, uh, persecuted harshly, uh, if you read what happens in other parts of the world. Uh, atrocities abound, and it's a, it's a sickening truth how the world really, really is. God did, gives Daniel uh, this vision of it. The wicked prospering, the weak are being trampled. Uh, but the warning of this vision uh, continues. Uh, continues for us in Scripture, even as it continued uh, for Daniel from, from that time. So we need the vision of the sickening truth because this is speaking to us about the reality that we, that we face. Um, and it should always devastate us to realize this. Uh, it's not something that we should just be okay with. You know, God's sovereign. He's in control. I know it all works out. No, um, this is horribly wrong. Uh, this is maybe the normal state, and it's horribly uh, wrong, and it hurts uh, to realize it. It makes Daniel sick. It makes us uh, sick as we think about it. Um, <clears throat> and still we're called to continue to serve uh, within that culture uh, that tramples, that tramples over God's people, that tramples over others just by their power and what they can gain. Uh, that's what we're. That's what, what. That's what God's people are within. And Daniel still is called after he's ill for those several days. He still rises up and continues his job uh, before God, but serving the king, uh, Belshazzar, who was a very evil king that we've already seen uh, in, in Daniel. 
Um, the vision speaks, though, to more than just the events of the 2nd century B.C. when this random guy that you haven't heard about, Antiochus Epiphanes, comes and, and, and does these uh, things. <clears throat> Um, I think it's fascinating and it's helpful to us to realize that Daniel was warned about these events several hundred of years before Antiochus came. Like before this was happening to his people, God was very easily able to say, I'm giving you a vision of things that are coming. I'm able to tell you some of the timeline uh, that it's in. Here's this Medo-Persian empire. After that, it's a Greek empire that divides four way. And in one of those four ways, uh, another horn comes up and this is at the latter end. This king with bold face will do these types of things. And all the commentators, from whatever different perspective, say, that's talking about Antiochus Epiphanes. And some of them say, Daniel must have been written much later for it to actually describe these events. Uh, other evidence leads to saying that that's not the case. Um, God's able to, to warn him hundreds of years uh, before it. Um, but but there's, there's more to it than, than just uh, that. If you're getting it within the context of Daniel uh, and the chapter right before this, Daniel is given a vision. He's given a vision of four different beasts um, that seem to, if you're connecting it here, if you're connecting it with, uh, with Daniel chapter 2, that those four beasts are still, it's, they're representing four kingdoms, uh, we're told, and they seem to go along with the Babylonian kingdom, the Medo-Persian kingdom, uh, the Greek kingdom, uh, and the Roman kingdom. That fourth beast last week uh, fits with a whole lot of things and other references to Daniel toward, uh, <clears throat> toward the Roman Empire. I'm not saying that's the only thing uh, that it refers to. Uh, but, but in that chapter, in the previous chapter, within this fourth beast, the, in, within what seems to be the Roman uh, Empire, later than the Greek Empire, there's this, there's this little horn uh, that grows up with bold face that speaks things against God's people. And, uh, the, the, there's a, so there's a connection uh, in the text of this little horn in Daniel chapter 8 to this little horn in Daniel chapter 7. But the one in Daniel chapter 7 hasn't come yet by the time that Antiochus Epiphanes is, is around. Right? So what you're getting is, here's this picture of what this person is doing, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes in the 2nd century uh, B.C., but later than that, there's another little horn. Similar, similar uh, vision, similar comparison and things that it's doing, that it seems to be talked about as, like a, as an antichrist, a moving against God and against his people, uh, uh, against uh, setting himself as God against God. Uh, Against God's people. John 2 says there's, there's many antichrists, and so we know that it is the last hour. And John said that like you know, almost 2,000 years ago. Uh, that last hour, the last days are between when Christ has come and before he, he returns again. Uh, and, and Revelation picks up those things. Other Thessalonians are speaking to, we're still on the watch of antichrist and if there's some final antichrist. But what's going on is this is the continually recurring pattern of evil. It's not too hard for me to say to you, see, in, in our time, wicked still prospers. Uh, the weak are still trampled. Uh, there's persecution specifically against God's people that, that God allows. Um, that's continuing to go on. So this passage is, is, is giving us a warning that still uh, continues. Uh, maybe to put it this way, is more helpful uh, that, the, that the prime example of part of the teaching of this passage uh, occurs uh, in God's Son uh, being sent to earth uh, for us. And his death and his crucifixion. Uh, Jesus' life is the prime example of the wicked uh, prospering over the righteous. Um, Jesus is described in, in John 1, he is, he is uh, God in the flesh dwelling among us. He's the temple of God. The, uh, his, his dwelling is with us. He's God's presence uh, among his people. 
Um, he's the sanctuary. Um, John uh, 2, 18, Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I will rise, raise it up. They're all like, it took us like some 40 years to build this temple. What are you talking about? And it says he was referring to himself. Uh, that he's the temple. He's the place of God's presence uh, with his people. And he'll be destroyed. And then he'll be erased. As God's people, Jesus is the representative of God's people. And he was the one who was cut off who is crucified, who is rejected and destroyed. And the the ultimately sickening truth is the fact that we crucified the Lord of glory. That when God came to us in the flesh to rescue us, uh, we joined forces together. And in, in the New Testament, how you see it is Jews and Gentiles joining forces together. Uh, Herod and Pilate joining forces together. All the people caught up in their guilt of <clears throat> execute him, crucify him. This is what's wrong. This is what we have to get rid of. It's God's son among us. It's sickening that that's our hearts in rebellion against God. But it's through that defeat uh, that God brings uh, that rescue. That he allows the wicked to prosper for a time. Uh, He allows the trampling over even of his own son. Uh, But for him to bring the ultimate kingdom of of justice, of righteousness, of peace, and of salvation. As Jesus is raised uh, from the dead, seated on the throne uh, with God, and when he will uh, return... Uh, and, and fully institute uh, his kingdom. <clears throat> and Jesus calls those who follow after him to continue to heed the warning uh, because the suffering continues. Um, <clears throat> suffering continues now. Jesus says, Blessed are you when they persecute you for my name's sake. Blessed are you when you... Uh, <clears throat> When you're reviled or when people are cursing you, when you respond not with cursing, uh, but with blessing. To those who are trying to trample over you, but you're still, like Daniel, rising up uh, and serving. Uh, Christians will continue to suffer until Christ come back, comes back. And like Daniel, we're still called to rise and serve the king, even the culture and authorities that are against God's rule. There's a, there's a sickening uh, truth to the way that the world works, to the time that we live in, that it's, that it's not the time of the kingdom of righteousness and peace. It's not, it's not here. Let's not pretend that it is. Uh, and just because we're following God like Daniel, then it's out of place and it doesn't mean everything's going to go right. Um, one of the things that just hit me in reading through this passage is hearing this phrase, no one can rescue. No one can rescue. You're going, what? Like, no one can rescue. That, let's say no one can save. Can no one save from, from these powers? And that's how we feel underneath that, that there is no hope, that there's no rescue, that there's no salvation there. Uh, but what we see as we see it come to Jesus in the crucifixion uh, and in his death is that at this stage of the kingdom, rescue comes, but it comes through defeat. Uh, it comes uh, through Christ's suffering and defeat that then our salvation uh, is made possible, that, that sin is covered uh, and that we're restored uh, to God through Christ, that he's raised and we have life and salvation through him. And Jesus accomplishes our rescue by being defeated on the cross. Uh, even the early church, uh, it's one of the quotes that the, uh, that the early church grew out of the blood of the martyrs. 
that though there was persecution from all sides, that's when the church continued uh, to grow um, despite it. Um, not, not because Christians all got together and planned out their strategy. Uh, not because they said, this is how we need to take over the world. This is how we need to set up our own kingdom and make our ways succeed. Um, because they suffered. And they suffered under the name of Christ and continued uh, to follow what he has said. There's a great truth. There's a beautiful and glorious truth of rescue and of eternity with God. Uh, the revelation describes for us in these beautiful pictures of this uh, city garden with the tree of life planted on all sides and the streams of the water of the river of life flowing through it and being present with God. There's this great and glorious truth. But now is the sickening truth of continuing evil, uh, the continuing presence of evil even under God's reign and even against his people. Uh, And like Daniel, uh, our response should be to be sick of it uh, and still to continue to walk forward uh, in service uh, of how the Lord calls us.